Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Polanski. The whole thing is very, Tate, very mysterious, but this is what I know. Authorities say a menacing letter received yesterday by a Vallejo newspaper was not sent by the infamous Zodiac Killer. That Area 51, the secret Air Force base in Nevada, actually exists. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. He's been called the East Side Rapist. He's been called the Visalia Ransacker. The original Night Stalker. And the Golden State Killer. You have now entered into the house of mystery. The best in true crime, conspiracy, and alternative history. With Al Warren and Kevin Thompson. KCAA, the stations that leave no listener behind. Broadcasting on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. The trifecta of talk radio for Southern California. Welcome back to the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren, host tonight. Everybody else is on holiday. <laughs> but with me, Michael Butterfield. Hello. And uh, Mike Morph. How you doing? And David Orinchek. Howdy. Okay, we're going to continue our little discussion on Zodiac. So, now when we left off, we were talking about um, suspects. Um, now, a lot of people have come up with like, their idea of, of, a, of a suspect or solving the case uh, based on solving the cipher. Um, let, let's talk about that today. Let's talk about uh, what exactly they are. That's another confusing thing for a lot of people. So um, who wants to start out with explaining exactly, I guess there was four ciphers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's outlay it first, and then we'll get David to kind of talk about the um, the actual uh, solving of a cipher. Sure. Yeah. The um, uh, the first cipher that Zodiac mailed out was uh, received by three different newspapers, and uh, I think it was August first of nineteen sixty nine, and the cipher was split into three parts. So it, these um, letters that were sent to the newspapers, you know, had uh, descriptions of the crimes that the killer had committed and included a demand for these ciphers to be published in the newspapers. Otherwise, he was going to go on a killing spree. And so he was extorting the newspapers to, to, to get his ciphers published. Um, but the, the three parts were these grids of um, mysterious symbols, and presumably they contained a message. There was some hidden message in them. Um, so the codes got published, and then about uh, less than a week later, a, a high school teacher and his wife, who had been working on the codes for about 20 hours between the two of them, um, they managed to crack the codes, and it ended up being, you know, a single uh, substitution cipher um, that was uh, so. Basically, a substitution cipher is just you take the letters of your message and you replace them with other letters or symbols. And the additional challenge of the of this three part cipher was that. You know, when you're doing a substitution cipher, normally you would you would replace uh, your the letters of your original message with just some other letter, right? So, like you would say, for example, take all the E's in your in your message that you're trying to hide and replace them with the letter Z, right? And so, those are the kinds of um, puzzles that were common in newspapers back then. Like, for example, the crypto quote, where you would see a a famous quotation from some author or celebrity, <clears throat> and it would look like gibberish because the letters have been replaced with other letters. But you can look at the code and you can kind of figure out, well, the most common letter in English is E, and if you see a bunch of Zs in the message, then they're likely to be E. So you can plug in E for all the Zs and then kind of work through, you know, the the words that show up or the guesses to words that show up and, you know, through some process of elimination, you can figure out what the code is. But the the three-part cipher that Zodiac had mailed, he made it a little bit harder to, to, to use those kinds of clues, you know, the, the, the high frequency of the letter E, um, for instance, was hidden by the fact that Zodiac had used multiple symbols to stand for that letter E. So instead of just replacing it with Z, he replaced it with seven different symbols. And so the challenge to Codebreaker is to figure out you know, which symbols are associated with E so that you can reverse the process and get the, get the original message. And so what they did, what the Hardens did was, you know, on top of counting up the number of symbols in the, in the ciphertext, uh, they found patterns in the, uh, in, in the message. And they used those patterns and, and, um, certain facts about the English language, such as the letters um, LL that appear together in the English language is the most common doubled letter. 
So, you know, words like shall, will, uh, and kill. And as it turns out, the word kill appears several times in the message, you know, and they had a hunch that the Zodiac would be talking about killing and talking about his crimes and talking about himself. So uh, they made guesses about what the message might say. And through those guesses, they were able to narrow down the uh, the solution to to that first cipher. So that's what we know about the ciphers. There, at least one of them was a substitution cipher, and that has a valid solution that you know you can check for yourself. You can you can take the key to it, which is just the list of which letters go with which symbols, and you replace them in the cipher, and then you get this um, this long message that comes out of it that was written by Zodiac. Um, but we don't know for sure what the remaining three ciphers that he sent, um, what system is used. The The second cipher he sent out looks a lot like the first one, except it's it was sent in one part, you know, on one page, rather than three different sections. Um, it uses a lot of special symbols and uses some symbols that were in the first cipher, but also has some new ones in it. But, you know, when you look at it, it seems like, well, maybe he just did another substitution cipher. But, you know, we're coming up on 50 years later almost, and it's, you know, that premise has not borne any fruit because, you know, not only do we have, you know, a lot of smart people over the years to apply their intuitions on the cipher, but we've also had... Um, a lot of advanced computer technology and software, you know, to attack the code as if it was a substitution cipher. And, you know, so far those have failed. So there, there must be something different about the, about the second cipher. The okay, first, if you don't mind me interrupting you real quick. Sure. The, the first cipher, the, what they call the 408, because it was four, 408 symbols. How hard was that to construct? Do you think it indicates some, expertise or could this <clears throat> excuse me just be someone who looked at this as a hobby it's it's hard to say i think um you know if as popular as the crypto quotes were in those days and i think as a as a idea in pop culture i think codes and ciphers were a bit more uh, widespread back then than they are today because there were a lot of stories about you know, criminals and spies writing secret messages to each other, and they had, um, you know, they were prominently featured in all of these fictional stories, and um, kids were getting decoder rings in their cereal boxes and things, you know. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was more of a, a connection to pop culture, so the average person could figure out, you know, how a substitution cipher works. The type of cipher that the 408 was, you know, that made it a little bit harder to solve was a, it's, it's known as a homophonic substitution cipher. And it's, uh, it's basically a little spin on the traditional substitution ciphers that you would see in the newspapers. And, you know, it's not that much of a stretch to learn how to do that if you already know how to do a, a substitution cipher, you know, a simple substitution cipher. Mm. So it, it, you don't really need that much expertise to understand how that works. Um, so, you know, maybe he just picked it up from something he read. Uh, yeah. But it's also possible he, you know, learned code making in the, uh, in the military. So maybe he did have some kind of formal, uh, 
uh, training related to, to ciphers. So it's hard to say, but you know, I I wouldn't conclude that he um, that he had to necessarily pick it up from some kind of some kind of formal training. In fact, Donald Harden, the high school teacher who helped solve the um, 408 with his wife, he was quoted in a newspaper article after the solution was published saying that uh, he didn't think that the code itself was that sophisticated. He, if, he in fact thought it was from some like cheap detective story somewhere. So he, yeah. Hey, yeah. And Hardin didn't have any formal training, did he? No, he was, um, I think he had a childhood, he's described as having a, a childhood interest in codes. So he had been probably working on puzzles for a long time you know, solving cryptograms. So, you know, he, he was an amateur, but, uh, yeah, he didn't have formal training in the military or anything like that. And, uh, you know, th that was all it took to, to, for him to solve the code was a, you know, just life experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also for the listeners, you know, the, the Zodiac letter claimed that that cipher would reveal his identity. And there were 18 symbols at the end of the, message which appeared to be gibberish what are your feelings about that so yeah he 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 did make that claim that his identity would be in there and you could argue that you know even though he didn't put his name in the part that was readable you know the the 390 characters that were readable you know, he, it, it was kind of a like a mission statement where he talked about his motivations for killing and you know how it made him feel and everything so there was there was a little bit of a you know, abstract identity statement in there. But the last 18, uh, using the, the key that the Hardens found, you know, they got most of the message to decrypt into a readable message except for the last 18, as you said. Um, but no one knows for sure what that means. Either it's just uh, filler to make the three parts, since he had sent the... Um, the cipher out in three parts, uh, he could have wanted to make them equal size. Because they were all in blocks of 17 characters in a row, right? That's right. There were so, se 17 across and eight down, so there are eight rows. So he had to complete the block in the last one. Right. And, it, you know, the, and the, the idea there is that, well, if he's trying to make it harder to crack He's not going to give them the extra clue of which part might be the last part. Because if you've got, you know, the message that doesn't divide equally, then the last part is going to be smaller than the other parts. Yeah. Uh, so by putting a bunch of random symbols in, which there's evidence of, because a lot of the symbols are copied from patterns that appear earlier in the ciphertext. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the arguments for the last 18 being just filler, just junk. Now, but, what do you think of the theory that it's a, it's it is in and of itself another cipher, another message? That's certainly an idea that's been explored. Um, in fact, very soon after the uh, uh, Harden solution was published in the papers, people tried to take the last eighteen uh, symbols and actually the last eighteen letters of the plain text that results by applying the Harden's key. And they would try to rearrange it. So they were using anagrams, basically, basically like rearranging the letters to try to see if any names pop out. Robert, they, Emmer, Robert Emmett, the hippie, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Robert Emmett, the hippie. And it's not even spelled right. It's a, it's quite a stretch to, to make it say Robert Emmett, the hippie, but 
that didn't stop people from, you know, going through the phone books and trying to dig up Robert Emmett's and, mm. you know, asking him if he had done anything he shouldn't have. <laughs> so, so people have been trying all sorts of things with the last 18, but, you know, that's, that's not turned up anything. And it's still kind of an open question. You know, I, I lean towards the, the last 18 being filler, but yeah, it's, it's not like you can't be a hundred percent certain. Seems like the most logical explanation. Yeah. Do we know what's, what's the reasoning behind, uh, Zodiac doing these letters, these ciphers? Like, uh, what, what was it about him that he wanted to do it this way? Because he seemed to want to express his ideas or how it made him feel to, to kill. Yeah, why wasn't the letter enough? Why did he have to have another message? Yeah. Was he, did he need people to, did he want people to be participating in his fantasy or his plan and that required some sort of task or game that people had to participate in or is there some other reason for it? I mean, I don't know what Mike and Dave feel about that, but it seems to me like, you know, the Zodiac, Zodiac wanted a certain kind of attention when he wanted it. And then the rest of the time he acted like he didn't care. So when he first sent this letter, these three virtually identical handwritten letters to three different newspapers that each was accompanied by a portion of this cipher, as Dave said, he demanded that these, that this cipher be published in the newspaper or he would go on a killing rampage over the weekend and kill a dozen people. And so it was obviously very important. It was obvious, obviously very important to him that this be published in the newspaper at that time in the way that he wanted because he either wanted to see everyone running around trying to solve his cipher or there was some other ulterior motive involved. I don't know what that would be, but it seems to me like the ciphers and the letters were uh, a component of this. It wasn't just about killing. It wasn't just about writing letters, and it wasn't just about ciphers. There was each one of these components filled some need for him. And in the case of the first cipher, I mean, it's one thing to write a letter saying that you committed a crime. It's bad enough that a guy would write a letter and boast about murdering people, but when it's accompanied by a cipher that says, in this cipher is my identity, it's irresistible. There's no way that you could just ignore that. And obviously it worked because people all over the Bay Area were trying to solve the cipher immediately after it was published, and that's how it ended up being solved by the Hardens. So I think there's something, there was a reason he needed to do that then, and then there's a reason, as Dave pointed out, that later on when he sends another cipher, doesn't seem to be the same game. Seems like something else is going on. So each one of these moments in the Zodiac's uh, career, or what you might call it, um, it seems like there was some reason that he needed to do that right then and there, and it had some meaning to him that we may not ever understand. But obviously, with this first cipher, that was one hell of an introduction. Yeah, yeah I think he, he fan fancied himself as a arch villain i think he probably spent time looking at comic books or uh yeah. some of those old detective magazines and uh he thought what better way to grab some attention than put these mysterious codes in there you know the letters 
if they're not enough, these these ciphers will just boggle their minds and and make it newsworthy. And it makes him more sinister and more mysterious. Exactly. He's he's a super villain, an arch villain, like in the comic books that he probably read, and you know, and it worked. I mean, he he, you know, we see the transition from from killing to just letter writing and cipher writing. You know, it, you know, the killing becomes secondary. You know, the attention was what he was ultimately after, and that first letter and cipher really grabbed a lot of people's attention. I mean, you know, Dave can detail all the different people that worked on that cipher early on. You know, he really did what he wanted to do and, and got some attention. Well, I would ask, too, I forgot to ask Dave, um, what do you say to people who suggest that the Zodiac cipher was never solved by any experts working for the government during that same period of time, that it was just the Hardens, or were there other people who actually came to the same solution because we know that there was a so-called uh, cipher key sent by someone anonymously that appeared to coincide with the cipher. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the concerned citizen key was received, I think, uh, very soon after the Hardens solution was published in the paper. So it's impossible to know. You know, we don't, we don't know if the Concerned citizen key was an independent solved by somebody that they just sent in, or if it was even sent, you know, maybe it was sent by the killer himself because he didn't was he was tired of waiting for the papers to to say something about you know yeah. somebody finding the answer, or or maybe it's just since the papers were publishing the the message the the decoded message they didn't they didn't tell anyone what symbols are associated with each letter so he was just doing something you know. As to try to be helpful, like here's the, here are the symbols that match up with the uh, plain text letters. Mm. So, but that's the I think when back when the ciphers were received by the papers, they got sent to um, the Vallejo police and eventually to the Navy cartographers, I guess at uh, Mare Island nearby. Yes, yeah. but I don't know to what extent they worked on them. You know how much effort they put into it. And I don't, I don't think the FBI started working on it, you know, right away. Um, but there's a, you know, that that leads people to think that well maybe they tried and failed. You know they couldn't crack the 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 first cipher. But I think in the is it the uh, Lake Berryessa report? I think there's some mention there that the there's a line in it about the FBI having independently solved the 408. That's correct. And then it, that their answer, you know, matched the Hardens' answer. And I, you know, I think that's probably true because the kind of code that the first cipher was, it's not that hard to break, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And compared to, you know, wartime codes that, you know, the, you know, during World War II, the, the, the complexity of the codes that were sent back and forth and the ones that we intercepted and cracked during the war were a lot more difficult. And, you know, for uh, the FBI or the Navy to not be able to crack, you know, a simple substitution, a homophonic substitution, uh, when a high school teacher and his wife were able to, you know, I, I find that hard to believe. I, I don't think they must have tried very hard if, if that was true, that they, didn't, that they weren't able to solve it. That's why I asked, because it always seemed kind of bizarre to me that if it was simple enough for them to solve in a weekend, <laughs> then the experts should have been able to do it, too. Right, right. And I think it just may have been, 
you know, they, they never got around to working on it because I think the FBI didn't actually, they didn't actually receive the ciphers right away. They, it was some time that passed before they got them. It was a pretty quick turnaround between when it was published and when the Hardens solved it. Yeah. And it, and it could be that the Hardens wrote the letter to begin with in the cipher. <laughs> Going back to one of those crazy theories that the Hardens uh, well, authored the letter yeah. and the cipher. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's out there is, you know, they solved it so easily because they're the ones that created it and actually now that, that code key to Leo police. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, you know, when it comes to these kinds of stories, these kinds of theories, I always try to go to what's the simplest explanation in keeping with the known facts. And it seems to me that some guy murdered some people and sent a cipher and somebody else solved it. That seems like the most logical thing to me. Yeah, I agree. Plus, there's no evidence that they actually committed the crimes, so... <laughs> Well, see, there's that's just crazy talk. You expect people to have evidence? I mean, we're talking a theory. People have a right to a theory, you know. <laughs> so, what are the chances now that um, we're gonna we're gonna actually solve some of these ciphers? Why is it taking so long? <laughs> yeah, Dave, come on. What are you doing, Dave? You lazy, <laughs> get on it. <laughs> like, are, are you are you not really paying attention or what? <laughs> Yeah, you know, me personally, I spent probably a month, you know, one month, and I said, I'm going to spend, like, every day doing these ciphers, and I think I lasted, like, two weeks, and I had, like, headaches, tension headaches every day, and I said, I can't do this again, I'll never do this again, I'm not going to even attempt it, because yeah. the ciphers, it takes a special kind of mind, you know, knowing Dave, as long as I have, I know... He's a very smart, intelligent guy, and his mind is the, the kind of mind you need to tackle uh, the ciphers. And I think some people go into that thinking, oh, I'm just going to plug in letters like a, I'm doing some word puzzle here, and and, and it's just going to fall into place. And, um, and if it doesn't, I'll just jam things in there and make them fit. Um, and, and they come out with, you know, these gibberish, gibberish type solutions, um, which makes me wonder. You know, in the in the four hundred eight, he sends a a cipher that when it's solved, it's it's kind of sadistic and 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 you know crazy what he's saying, but it's it's it it's makes sense. sense. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And then you get these yeah. other people that are forcing things in there that are. I see a pill. I eat it. I then I kill. I mean, it's just yeah. weird. These weird solutions, quote unquote, um, that people try to force in there, uh, and I think that's where you have to know. You know, some things are, are just left to, to certain people to, to try and tackle them. Well, they, the, the, the head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The three ciphers that are unsolved, you know, there's the 340, which uh, he mailed, I guess, a month after the, approximately a month after the last confirmed killing, right? The Paul Stein. In November 1969. Right. So there's the 340. And then sometime after that, he mails the... Uh, the 13 character cipher, which is extremely short code. Um, and then, then he later he sends the, uh, the map code with a, it has a map and it has the target over Mount Diablo and there's, you know, the map, he says the map combined with the cipher will tell you the location of the bomb, which he had been describing in great detail in these taunting letters that he had been sending out in the meantime. Um, but the code there was 32 characters long. And so those two short ciphers, there's essentially no hope of verifying a solution to either of those because uh, they're, they're just too short. And in the, that 32-character cipher, there, there's very few uh, repeating symbols. So there's you could basically make anything fit as an answer if you treat it as a substitution cipher, which we don't even know if it is one. Uh but the 340, because it's you know 340 characters, which is a decent amount, a decent length, um, there's still hope that 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 can be solved. But the biggest problem we face with it is that we don't know what kind of cipher it is. Um, uh, the 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 first instinct with it is because it looks like the 408. You know, it's a grid of symbols. Uh, since he had done a substitution cipher before, well, maybe it's just a substitution cipher this time, too. But all efforts in that direction have failed. And so there's a lot of evidence from that that it's something else, that he added some other step 
perhaps. Uh, for example, a simple thing that you can do to your message to make it harder to crack is to write it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, write, write it up and down or into a spiral pattern or something like that. And then... With the beginning last and the last part first. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those things have been tried too and, and ruled out, but you know, there could be something, you know, one kind of transposition or rearrangement that hasn't been tried yet that could unravel the message. Um, the, uh, but you know, that's, that's the biggest issue is that, you know, you, you have to make some kind of assumption about what the code is, um, before, before solving it. And a lot of people, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, people coming up with this gibberish that, you know, almost sounds like English, but it's not quite English. <laughs> and a lot of that comes from, you know, people will start going through a normal decryption procedure, assuming that it's this, you know, standard kind of cipher, the, uh, like a substitution cipher. So they'll approach it, they'll start plugging in words and it'll work for a little while, but then it stops working because the, you know, they've, they've made too many substitutions and there's nothing but gibberish left. But they've gotten some words to appear at the beginning. And so what they do is they think, um, well, Zodiac was a rule breaker, so maybe he changed the rules of the encipherment procedure. Mm-hmm. So they'll do things like, well, let's allow this symbol to mean more than one letter. Or let's allow for these letters to be rearranged in some arbitrary order. So, you know, instead of saying gibberish, you can make it say something coherent. And, you know, the Graysmith solution is a famous example of that. You know, he took a, he took a, you know, normal decryption of the 340 and rearranged letters to make it sound vaguely like English. And he had, like, forced, you know, certain zodiac specific things to appear in the message. Um, and that, that's something that happens time and time again. I see that in many solution attempts. So, People are making these assumptions about the procedure Zodiac must have done to hide the message, but it's not coming from the, you know, the cipher itself. It's coming from them getting stuck and then trying to relax the rules or break the rules in order to allow the message to come through. And then what that opens up is, you know, people project their own expectation about what the message should say. And it's a, it's a bit different than, you know, I was talking before about the Hardens. You know, they had some intuition about what Zodiac may have been putting in his message. You know, they thought he would talk about his crimes, his killing, mm-hmm. and talk about himself, and the message would start with I. You know, that was one of the things that they talked about. Um, so there's certain, there's a little bit of projection in there, because they're expecting it to say something. But and that was reasonable, too. But it was reasonable. It was reasonable, and when they did it, they came up with a solution that was coherent and followed the rules of the encipherment. Uh, but when, but there's a limit to that because if they had, let's say they thought the message said something completely different and then it stopped working and then they, then they decided, well, now let's just try to uh, change the meaning of these symbols so that they can stand for more than one letter or that we can rearrange, uh, rearrange these symbols to fit. Then they're just, they're being a little too creative with it. And it allows what should have stopped the, their uh, decryption attempt. It, it, it allows it to continue and produce something that they think it should say, but it doesn't actually say. <laughs> that's kind of hard to describe, but it's you know that's what people do a lot of times. They they really want their message to be right, and so they force it 
to come out of the ciphertext. And then they think, oh, that must be because the killer made that happen, but it's not. Well, and that's also when you were talking about the uh, different solutions that people offer, you know, you say you've looked at a lot over the years. Why is it that so many people say, I found my suspect's name in this cipher? <laughs> well, obviously, if more than one person can do that, it's not as compelling. Why, why isn't that a good piece? Why isn't that strong evidence? Well, the main reason is that it, you can use these techniques, whatever techniques they're using to come up with the names can usually produce other names you know, using their same steps. Um, you know, one, there, there's what I call uh, coincidence generators where people will go and they'll do things like uh, take anagrams of letters that appear in the ciphertext and then rearrange them so that they uh, produce a name that's similar to their suspect's name or produce some, you know, personal feature of that suspect that connects them. Or they'll do things like they'll, they'll do numerology on the, on the ciphertext where they're assigning numbers. You know, if a symbol appears in the fourth column, they'll give it the number four and they'll do these, uh, arithmetic tricks to make that produce another name or the date of birth for a suspect. So the idea there is, oh, maybe the, the killer hid his birthday his date of birth and the uh, layout of the symbols somehow. Yeah, the Larry Kane solution. Yeah. And so, but the problem with those approaches is that you can generate uh, millions of dates using that, you know, numerological approach. And, you know, an astronomical number of anagrams, you know, by rearranging letters, you can just apply any key and then just rearrange the result to get whatever you want. Eventually, you're going to hit something. It's um, I like to use the analogy of um, uh, playing golf. You know, when you hit a golf ball onto the green, you know, there's a blade of grass that gets hit by that golf ball when it comes to rest. And from the blade of grass's point of view, it's very, very rare event that that actually got hit by a golf ball. You know. It's mm -hmm. like, trillion chance or whatever yeah but you hit the ball into the field so the chance of hitting a blade of grass is pretty much certain yeah and so that's what people are doing with these techniques is that they're hitting the golf ball into this field of symbols and they come up with something and it seems like it's rare but you could hit the ball again and it would land in a different part of the grid of symbols and you come up with something else yeah so that too would seem rare but it would there's so many different ways to do it that it isn't rare and one good thing about dave he compiles a list of possible solutions to show people you know your solution could fit as this one did you know a good example is you know, I get a lot of people sending me cipher solutions, and if they if they're not totally nonsense, I usually will send them to Dave and say, "What do you think of this?" Um, and get his opinion. You know, last week I had somebody that that had a it sounded like a reasonably good you know possible solution for the thirteen character uh, cipher. So I sent that to him, and they said, "What if it's an anagram and it means this?" And I thought the the anagram solution they had, you know, could make sense. And lo and behold, Dave has a list of other 13 uh, character 
solutions that it could have been, and he's got all these dozens of, of possibilities, mm-hmm. and, and Dave points out what makes this solution valid and this one not valid, so you can, you can fit so much stuff in there, and Dave has a, a really good uh, habit of keeping these these other possible solutions to show that that solution is not only the, not the only one that can fit in there sometimes um, when you're rearranging stuff you you can come up with almost anything and and a lot of solutions can fit when you take change those rules of, of the cipher decipherment yeah well that's it. funny too Dave because you have that great article called the most pattern seeking animal of all yeah. where doesn't that play a big part in this where people you know someone says they're looking for Arthur Lee Allen's name and lo and behold they find it and then somebody else is looking for a certain name and they find that. Doesn't that play a large part in, you know, what your motive and your intent is and your method when you start out? That's going to have a lot to do with your results. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the, that, that encourages confirmation bias. So you go and you find patterns that, that, uh, match your suspect. Uh, that, that, that's a great example there because he was, uh, Gary Stewart in his book about Earl Van Vest, his biological father, who he claimed was Zodiac, uh, he has uh, multiple decryptions of the of the ciphers where he he finds like Earl variations of Earl Van Vest's name. Uh, it could be like the initials or just parts of the of the name, and you know he's only pointing out the cases where his method produces Earl Van Vest's name. Yeah, but if you use the same steps with a different name, you can find it too. And you know, I, I went through that exercise of like, well, let's see how, you know, because you know, what if his method was to, was valid? You know, what if there was only one way to produce uh, a name out of it, and it turned out to be Earl Van Best? That would be compelling. Yeah. But when I actually go through the steps and 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 and, and generate names, well, you can get. You know, tens of thousands of names to pop out the exact same way, and it's the, the main reason is because there's so many degrees of freedom in the in the steps you're using. You can make it, you can make it say just about anything. Uh, but if you already have a suspect's name in mind, you're going to ignore all the other ones and only focus on the ones that match your suspect because mm-hmm. those are going to be more interesting. So you're going to be like biased towards that and ignore, you know. The fact that you can make, you know, Dr. Seuss's name come out of the cipher because he, he's not the Zodiac killer. Well, if you watch, if you're like uh, Corey Starlifer, who, uh, if I said that correctly, um, who said that he had stayed awake for, what, two or three days after watching the Zodiac movie that implicates Arthur Lee Allen, and then after three days of no sleep, he found Arthur Lee Allen's name in the cipher. Um, it, I think it played a big role in his results that that's what he was looking for when he started and of course the not sleeping part doesn't help yeah the thing with starlight lifer starlipper however, however you say it was i don't even think he tried to use a consistent scheme at all like mm-hmm. he just started he started with maybe a little bit of a of a of a predictable scheme you know he was doing some kind of letter shifting thing and it was a predictable pattern i think it had to do with like uh Zero, three, six, and nine, because those were on the uh, Mount Diablo map. You know the mm-hmm. the, the clock face. So yeah. three, three o'clock, six, and six o'clock, and so on. So he was doing these shifts, and it, it followed a pattern, but only barely. 
you know, like the first line or two was following the pattern, and then the rest of it just devolves into him randomly putting in whatever message he wants. So I don't, I don't think he, he never tried to defend that. He just presented it as if there was some elaborate scheme, like he claimed that there was some uh, elaborate rule system he was following, but he never produced that. Yeah. And I talked to him for a while. You know, we were chatting for a while, and I kept trying to get him to produce that. But I don't think he ever had it. I think he was just BSing about that, just to mm. give his solution legs, because he was already getting a lot of media attention for that. I mean, he he that story went viral for a long time, and it oh, yeah. several times. And his solution was complete garbage. And it was, you know, it was it seemed like he was intentionally promoting a uh, just a complete invention of his. Well, I think he was also taking advantage of the popularity after the movie Zodiac came out, that, you know, there was a lot of interest in Arthur Lee Allen because of that, and coming forward, I can't remember the name of the newspaper that he got all that attention from, but it was a local newspaper, wasn't it? And uh, he ended up, you know, it went, like you said, it went viral very quickly, um, but as usual, the facts weren't reported in most of those articles. <laughs> it was just Guy solved Zodiac Cipher. That was the headline of everything. There was no explanation or follow-up. And then years later, somebody's like, wasn't that Cipher solved like five years ago? Yeah. Ten years yeah. ago? <laughs> wasn't yeah. Zodiac uh, identified ten years ago? I mean, and that's the, the stuff you see going on after the quote-unquote solve or the the truth comes out you find out years later the case is still unsolved, the ciphers are still unsolved, and and you find out that that was incorrect or bogus information that, that somebody put out uh, and they were incorrect. Yeah, well, most of those people don't see all the, you know, hundreds of other solutions that get sent to you or Dave or me. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder, you know, because everyone's so conditioned to expect that the you know, another solution is going to come out and it's not going to be the right one. If the right one does come out, you know, are they really going to believe it? And they're going to keep working on the, the cipher anyway, even if um, it's already been confirmed to be the right solution. Well, don't you think that if the, like the 340 is solved, that the actual solution to it will have some sort of recognizable uh, merit or validity that it, instead of sounding like gibberish, it will have a coherent message well, if that's what's intended. Well, the, the, there are solutions like that. Car, uh, Star, Corey Starlipper's solution was coherent. It was, yeah. that, you know, it was a good, you know, very zodiac-like message. There was another one that um, I forget the, the guy who who came up with it, but it too was, you know, there, there wasn't anything incoherent about it. It was a pretty uh, readable message but you know he he split it up into multiple keys he he, he just kept decoding until the key stopped working and then he would just start a new key <laughs> so, so the message seemed valid but it was the method that was faulted exactly yeah because yeah. you could go through and just essentially change every symbol in there to a letter you know to a letter corresponding letter make a message but there's no you know there's no rhyme or reason for how you chose that uh, to be a letter, you know, you just sort of made it up as you as you went, um, and I, I think that's where some people get lost, you know, with the the ciphers. And they, um, although they'll 
they'll just try out a bunch of stuff. They'll to, you know throw stuff at the wall and then see what sticks. And then whatever does stick, they go back and try to come up with a justification for it. Like, oh, the reason that that's there is because uh, Zodiac had an affinity for the number four or something. You know, they'll come up with some some explanation, you know, a speculative explanation that they can kind of help justify that choice that they made in their decryption process. Um, but you know, it's it's all it's 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 usually after the fact. You know, oh, I made this name appear. Now I need to come up with the reasons why that that's valid and all the other ones aren't. Retroactive reasoning, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, often when I present to them the the you know the main problem with it, which is that they can generate other names using the same way, they you know more often than not come back to me with, well, you know, I have these other reasons why I think that's the correct name. Not just that it appears, but you know, there's all these other supplemental things like, you know, I think my suspect is this and is connected to this uh, clue, and you know, there's all these other justifications that are like circumstantial yeah. uh, uh, justifications that don't really, you know, they're not sufficient to justify the choice that was made in the cipher because it can you can still produce you know other names using the same method, and that's the you know when you go back go back and look at the 408. All you have to do with the 408 is come up with, uh, you know, it has 60, or sorry, it has 54 different symbols in it. So for each one of those symbols, you assign a letter of the English language. And when you do that with the correct key, the one the Hardens found, you instantly get from this 54 character key to a 390 character coherent English message. And all you did, all you did was assign 54 letters. So you went from 54 letters to 390. That didn't just come out of it, of, of nowhere. You know, that, that was in the cipher. Because you can't get, you know, a 390 character message from just assigning 54 letters to, or sorry, uh, 54 symbols to, to letters of the English language. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a, a really strong argument for the 408 being correct. And, you know, and also that there hasn't been an alternate, any alternate solutions that are plausible. That's right. If you had a whole pile of decryptions of the 408 that were just as uh, meaningful as the the ones the Hardens found, then it'd be a different ballgame. We'd be doubting that their solution was right. Mm. Uh, but there's no doubt that their solution is right, except for the last 18. So no one knows what the last 18 is about, except maybe it's filler. <laughs> What do you what do you think of Tom Juzik? Uh, you know his idea that uh, um, the unsolved code behaves like a fake cipher, therefore it's probably a ruse. I think that's a plausible explanation for why it hasn't been solved. I mean that's, that that'd be hard to prove. It'd be hard to prove that the cipher is just nonsense. Yeah, put together to keep us all busy for fifty years, which apparently succeeded. <laughs> well, that's a good place to put in a plug for your site and the, uh, uh, I don't know the exact name you use for it, but you have a, a page on your site where you can go and try to solve the 340 yourself by putting in your own symbols and your own solution. And I, I know that I go there quite frequently whenever I get a bug that I think I might be able to figure something out. Now, of course, usually I figure out very quickly I don't know what I'm doing, but it's a great place to go on uh, ZodiacKillerCiphers.com. Yeah, that's uh, 
uh, I called it the web toy. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you, you can go in and um, basically make your own substitutions in the 340 and see if anything pops out. And people have been using that for years, but uh, to no avail. But I still get emails from people that, you know, they get excited because the first few lines will come out to something. And that's because there's not very many repeated symbols in the first few lines, so you can get a lot of things to, to pop out in those in, in that section. Um, but you know the 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 flaw with the web toy is that it assumes that the cipher's message is written from left to right and from yeah. bottom, yeah. and that's and that's just a simple substitution cipher. Uh, but there is one great thing about it though, which is after you start pumping in a few symbols and what you think might be the beginning of a coherent message, it very quickly reveals the flaws in your thinking. <laughs> the top always looks good, and the bottom just starts That's, to... Just yeah, when you look down thing. below and you see the letter Q, N, and Z next to each other, you're like, well, that doesn't work. You know? <laughs> For some people, it will, though. They'll figure some, some way to make a <laughs> yeah. message out of it. <laughs> Reference to Quiznos. Well, George, weren't you on that show on on one of those networks, and you guys solved it? I thought. Yeah, that's how they presented it. Yeah, they they, they presented it that way. Yeah. <laughs> they left out a few things. They they left out a few things that happened. Yeah, they always a do. Few steps there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. 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 It gets real exciting, and then nothing happens. No follow through. Right. Wow. Yeah, they, we, we had uh, very vigorous uh, debates about the uh, solution that was generated during the filming. And uh, those those uh, debates and objections, let's just say they didn't make the uh, final cut. <laughs> <laughs> Too much beeping out. <laughs> yeah. This is, you know, it's, it's, it's not interesting. Like I said before, it's not interesting to show people's going, no, that's wrong. No, no that's wrong. It's like... I guess there's one show that managed to pull it off. Mythbusters was probably one of the only ones, but they had the advantage of that they could blow things up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can't really do that with this cipher stuff. It's not exciting to see somebody, yeah. you know, ramble on about some technical details that prove that the cipher decryption is wrong. Well, maybe if there's a season two, you guys can blow up that supercomputer. Yeah. 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 So so much for a supercomputer. <laughs> Back to the drawing board, drawing board, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, it's uh, another show wrapped up. Again, thanks very much for, for being on and, and talking about Zodiac. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.com. HouseofMystery.com Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.